Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Wow. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. Each Money Making Conversation talk shows about entrepreneurship and entertainment. I provide the consumer and business owner access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It is important to understand that everybody travels a different path to success. That is because your brand is different. The challenges you face in your life are different. So stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. Now, you can be motivated by your success because their stories can offer direction and help you reach your goals through your planning and your committed effort. My guests on Money Making Conversations have that same passion, and they share that information when we talk about their career, overcoming the odds, motivating themselves and other people, how they live a balanced life, and their secrets to success. Basically, Money Making Conversations is a show built to give you an opportunity to win and believe in yourself and trust the gifts that have been given to you. I always tell people, lead with your gifts. My next guest is a winner, a champion, have known her a long time. In the streets of New York City back in the day when I was out there, we both were struggling back then trying to tell people how funny we could be. My next guest is a best-selling author of four books, and she travels the globe sharing love and laughter. She is an actress, comedian, speaker, and motivational coach whose showbiz career has spanned over 35 years. She teaches audiences to empower, educate, and entertain so they can broadcast their brilliance in order to draw a, draw a bigger impact and more income with Kim Unity Mastermind. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Kim Coles. It is a delight and an honor to be here with you. <laughs> well, Kim, I, you know, it's really great. Uh, like I said, uh, we, we all go through long careers, and uh, I think a long career is being able to reinvent yourself, being able to extend multiple levels of income, because that's basically what your intro was saying. you traveling, you're speaking, you're motivating, you're coaching. And now on your, your social media team is really uh, defining a different path for you, or it's a path that I, I just became aware of. Tell us, every, tell everybody a, a little setup of what you're involved with, Kim Unity. Oh, yes. Well, let me give, give a little context. Okay. So, yes, I'm an actress and a comedian and all of those things, and I've been in the business, you know, like you were saying, 35 years. That's yes, how long ago, I'm sure we met way back then, you know, mm -hmm. I, that's when I started in New York. Right. But mm -hmm. the thing is, you know, there came a point where I was, sitting around waiting for auditions. Right. And that puts the power in someone else's hands. And I really wanted to put the power in my own. And so I thought to myself, and this is a long story, but I thought to myself, what can I do that is outside of the realm of waiting for someone to give me something? And the trick was using my own gifts and talents. And mm -hmm. I want people to hear that you can do that too. You can use all the gifts and talents that you have been given and that you've developed and that you've been blessed with to uh, to create multiple streams of income, mm -hmm. multiple streams of interest, because I needed something to do right. that was better than sitting around. Mm -hmm. And what evolved was a, a program called Gifts, 
G-I-F-T-S, because I was looking for my gift, and it's gratitude, intention, forgiveness, triumphs, and self-love. Mm. I believe that those are some, isn't that good? Mm-hmm. Those are principles that you need to develop your gifts, and so that was a program. And then it eventually evolved into what I call my community. Yes. K-I-M-U-N-I-T-Y. <laughs> um, and I have a mastermind, a, a monthly mastermind called the Community Mastermind. And so this is where I take people on a, really on a journey, mm-hmm. really the journey that I've been on to developing myself personally, mm-hmm. for all that personal development, you know, really asking yourself the hard questions, getting in action about your life, your spirituality, your health and your well-being. And on the other side, the business side, how do I want to um, um, build my business? What can I do? How can I serve people and all of that? And so... Uh, I speak, I teach, I coach, and I love it. And I got to tell you, it's 10 times better than an audition. And do I still audition? Yes, yes I do, do Rashawn. Yeah. Yes, I do. Well, you know, you know, the interesting thing about your story is that first thing that pops out is control. And so many people are, even though they have a daily job that they go to, they don't feel there's any control. Because you don't know, there's no guarantee with that job. Or, or is there right. any guarantee of the, of the atmosphere that you're walking into? Because a lot of people bring their bad days to work. And, when, and yeah. so, and I remember yeah. early on when Steve Harvey and I uh, got together in 2000, I did his first radio contract. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons we did that radio contract was that we wanted to control our destiny because guess what? That was a regular check every week. Yeah. And so we didn't have to worry about auditions because we had a check and it really yeah. calmed us down. It really calmed us down. But on the other side, people thought we were taking a step back, you know. You know, yeah. he's not doing movies. He's not. He's not doing these concert tours. He's not. Oh, because um, that was right after he did. Uh, he had performed Kings of Comedy, and everybody was blowing up on Kings of Comedy. And Steve was benefiting as well, benefiting as well. But I, what I love, and I just want to share that story that on my side because I understand exactly what you're talking about. You can be successful, but you may not be in control. Right, and and you know, for me, it was just finding an area of. Where can I be in control? Where can I guide the guide my destiny? Now, ultimately, for me, and I think you'll understand this, that the audience is your ultimate, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, the judge, the jury, and the executioner. Meaning, you have to please those people. And I got to tell you, I remember you, you know, you guys did that. You know what we talk now about branding, right? 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 You did that. Way back when, before anybody, like regular folks were talking about it. Certainly the people on Madison Avenue were talking about it. But you set, uh, uh, you set him in, you all set the the team in a position of power and control. And so that the industry was coming to you. When I wanted to promote something, I wanted to come to you. And so anyone who's listening to this, this is not just a showbiz conversation. It's about looking at your, as I said, your gifts and talents mm-hmm. and looking at what you can set up for yourself so that you create something where people will come to you. They will come to you for what you, what you have, what wisdom you have, what, you, what learning you have. Mm-hmm. I say that I've been in this business for 35 years. I now want to teach all that I've learned. Mm-hmm. So I now take people on a journey that I've been on myself. Right. I've cleared the path mm-hmm. and I can help, you know, I, you know, 
I like to call it lift as I climb. So as I build to the next level and the next level, I'm lifting people and taking people along with me. And that's exactly what you all did. And you set a beautiful template in place. That had not been done. Well, you know, it's really interesting. Thank you. You know, because about branding, I was uh, I was honored in uh, for being a personal manager of the year, and uh, a lot of the individuals, like William Shatner's manager, got he didn't even know he didn't even know who I was, and he said, Mm -hmm. "I said I don't know who this guy Rashawn McDonald is, but he changed the game." He said because absolutely, and the reason I was able to do that because I worked at IBM. And and I when I was sit I would talk to Steve, I said, Why can't we treat you like a business? Why can't we treat you like a corporation? Because, you know, they brand cars, they brand hamburgers, they brand clothes. Let's just treat you as an individual or like a brand. And, you know, he understood what I was saying. He trusted me because of the fact that I at that point I just had to associate him with other brands like Disney, right. Ford. Home Depot. And that's why, you know, when I started seeing your post in social media, I got excited because I go, she gets it. She understands because now she's using her brand to help other people understand that this is how you make it. You have to shout it out, especially with social media allows you to to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to you don't have to wait around buying commercials, you know, putting billboards up. You can sit down and just create a post and be able to sell your brand, tell your story. And I just got excited, Kim. You have to be excited right now with this amount of information you've been able to distribute based on the fact of who you are. I'm able to use uh, free outlets. And, of course, you can buy ads, and we can talk about that later. But it's it's free. Mm -hmm. It's it's, uh, accessible. You go straight to the people. I don't need a producer. (laughs) I don't need, you know, an executive or network executive to tell me yay or nay or say the line the way we wrote it. Mm -hmm. I do, what I do is I tap into my gifts and talents. I ask my audience what I want and I tap into what I have that I want to give and share. And it has been wonderful. You know, I I should make a list of all of the, I, I couldn't make a list is what I should say, of all the what I have received back just by putting myself out there. Everything from a trip to Africa that's upcoming, uh, everything from speaking gigs. You know, people see you, and then they hire you. Right. And again, it it happens for me because I'm a quote-unquote celebrity or I'm in the public eye, but it can happen for every, for lots of people. I'm following the model of people who did this who weren't celebrities. They got their name out. They got established Mm -hmm. as an expert or as a go-to voice. Mm -hmm. And then you get seen, you get hired, you get to, uh, and you get customers and clients. You know, the thing about it, Kim, I got to say this. I'm so glad I figured that out because my peers, Mm -hmm. a lot of my peers are sitting on greatness because they're waiting for, they're waiting for the next, their next big show. Look, look, I was on a show that was number one in African-American households for five seasons. Now, it was also Mm -hmm. hot in other people's households, but we know that's the statistic that they kept saying. It still airs to this day. Mm -hmm. I still get those residual checks, but A, I can't live on those residual (laughs) checks. They make a nice treat. And B, I'm not waiting for the reboot. People want to reboot, and that's nice. But I'm already recharging and rebooting in my own life. And if that comes along, that's, that's, the, that's the cherry on top. Well, you know, let me just tell you this. Uh, this is exciting. This is exciting. I'm going to tell you about your brand. <laughs> I'm going to just tell you about your brand, Kim. You look fantastic. You know, oh, you'll be, you. and that's, that's important in this conversation because you can't put out average and expect greatness back. 
you know, your, your photos, your smile, your look, your poses, because it's not the same photo. They got they got several different looks of you working, doing your thing out there. And that right there engages me. It engages with Sean McDonald to say, wow, she got it going on. Wow. I want to hear what she's talking about. Wow. She looks great. Can I just can I get what she's eating? Can I can I go where she's partying? Can I travel with her? Can I listen to her? So it's also what we talked about earlier. You can have a great idea, but if you don't brand it right, people may not react to it. If you don't tell your story right, people may not understand it. And I'm just telling you, Kim Coach, Kim Unity Mastermind, living single, 35 years in the business. You are a branding phenomenon right now. And don't let oh, nobody sure. tell you nothing but Rashawn McDonald's telling you the started. truth because that's what I'm I do. Just getting started. This is what I do. Because of the fact that, you know, you you know, the thing about it, when you start making these transits, people will question you. Why is she doing that? Why why is she going to Africa? You know, why well, I don't see her on TV. I don't see her in the movie. Hey, hey, hey. You know, because people have plans, it may not be your plan. But you got to have a plan. You got to have a strategy. And that's all you're talking about, right, Kim? That's all I'm talking about. And everyone can, it's a, it's a, it is accessible to everyone. It used to be a time where you had to hire a Rashawn McDonald or mm-hmm. hire somebody from, uh, from Madison Avenue. The truth is the information is out there for you. You have people like you teaching it, people like me teaching my version of it. Mm-hmm. And it's accessible, it's possible, it's doable. And I'm going to share a quote with you that changed everything for me. Mm-hmm. And it was, after I left Living Single, I went into a, a really dark depression, I'll mm-hmm. be honest. It was really tough because it was a great time, and we had joy every single day. You know how, you know how it is Absolutely. on a set. You really do form a family. Mm-hmm. You do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went through a depression, I'll be honest. My story is that I shopped through all of my money because I didn't understand why I deserved it. Mm-hmm. I shopped through all of it. Mm-hmm. And in my darkest hour, I happened to find a quote that changed everything. It's by Zig Ziglar. And the quote goes something like this. You can have everything in life that you want if you just help enough people get what they want. And so what this says to me that it's not about you. That's why I emphasize your gifts and your talents. Use them to help and serve other people. So I was busy sitting around saying, I want to get another job on another TV show. And I realized that my talents are bigger than that. How can I help other people? I will get everything I want. I'll be able to pay my bills if I help other people and serve in that way. And so I hope that someone will hear that and go, that's the answer. That's actually one of the keys to success is use what you have to share and help grow other people, and in turn, you will grow as well. Change the game for me, and now that's what I'm all about. Even when I do get a job on a show, I just did a few episodes of In the Cut on Bounce TV, Mm -hmm. and I go there with the intention of sharing joy and laughter and bringing this character (laughs) to life Mm -hmm. because it will bring someone else joy. My, My goodness, I'm talking to Kim Coles. The amazing Kim Coles. She's talking about changing people's lives. She's been entertaining us for years, but now she's entertaining us in a different way. She's blessing us with information that will make our lives better, make our income better. We'll be back with more Money Making Conversation with Kim Coles. We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Money Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com and follow Money Making Conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's time you stop thinking about your dreams and put some plans into action. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, and you're listening to Money Making Conversation. This is a show that, uh, hey, there's no charge to get information from me. Not because I, you, I want to charge you. I, I want to charge you your time. I want to charge you your, your make you sit down and, and give it to me so I can, I can cultivate opportunities for you. So you can listen and say, I can do that too. I, I want to be like that person too. Not exactly like that person, but financially like that person, successful like that person, learn to plan like that person, be motivated like that person. That's what Money Making Conversation is all about. My guests on the show, you know, as, as an individual, you know, way back in New York, you know, we crossed paths a couple of times when we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do as comedians, as, as comedy actors. And, and, I, and our life has played out in different ways. Hers has been more public. Mine has been more behind the scenes. And mine has been marketing and branding and managing. And to see this evolution, to see a light bulb go in her head to say, you know something, I'm successful, but I want more success in controlling my success. And really, that's what this interview is all about. That's what you're telling the people who are listening to you right now. Correct, Kim? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, let's move on. Before we move on, tell people how they can reach you, contact you, your, your websites and all that. Before we move on to this other <clears throat> scenario by Captivate with your story. Before we go there, let's talk about how we can reach your websites and all that, all these other things. Yes. Well, my website is kimcole.tv. Mm-hmm. And I, and listen, you know, everyone sends you to their website, but I don't even, <laughs> I don't use my website as much as I should. Maybe by the time this airs, I will have it because I'm having it rebuilt right now. Absolutely. I'm mm-hmm. really on social media. I awesome. am real Kim Coles on Facebook mm-hmm. and I am at Kim Coles on the Instagram. Absolutely. Uh, I'm Absolutely. also on LinkedIn. Thank I you. just started using LinkedIn. Listen, anybody who is sleeping on LinkedIn, you're missing <laughs> a, a, a Treasure trove, a gold mine of contact. Now it's different from the other social media. It's it's a you know site. It it really is about business. It's a little bit more serious. Yes, it is. It's a lot more serious. Yes, but that's where the money is, and I love I love that. I love that. Well, you know, it's so, so funny. It's it, it, it just else. it's just so funny. You're an expert. You know, and that's what you you're an influencer because you're saying <laughs> all the right things, and I'm going like, hey, she's absolutely telling you the truth. You know, you don't have no. No, no, no cake pictures and no side angle pictures and no boyfriend, girlfriend pictures and no party pictures on LinkedIn. You no, know, you no have it, it's an industry based concept where if you got something going on, you want to share it. And you don't have to have a large following to get to get information out either. That's what I love about it, too, because absolutely it streams and people find you. And and let me ask you this, because that's where I that's where we connected. We reconnected on mm-hmm. LinkedIn. And I, I mean, like several months, I've been I just been looking at you. I'm going, this girl here, this girl here. And so, you know, you go through you go through Thanksgiving, you go through Christmas. And then I said, I told my team, I said, hey, I got to get her for February. I, 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 I said, I see what she's doing. And the, the, the people she trying, she's trying to reach. We need to reach them in the first quarter. We'll fix them yeah. now. Get them motivated. Get their life right. And so that's what you're doing. You, you know, I'm just Kim. I'm, I'm so excited talking to you because of the fact that <laughs> you, so I'm many, happy to to reconnect to you because uh, you know I said this to you earlier. I don't network as well as I should. You know, there's some people that have the gift of networking, right, mm-hmm. but the way they stay afloat is they see, they stay in contact with all the movers and shakers, right. 
And, and I, I'm not as good as that. I get overwhelmed because I'm busy. I'm one of those people. I get in the trenches and I just start digging <laughs> and I start networking. I look right. up every once in a while. Like, right. I don't even go to Hollywood parties that right. much. I don't mm-hmm. network. And so I'm, I realize now that I'm missing. I missed years of being able to network with you. I know how smart you are. I've been around you and watched the moves you were making, but I didn't stay connected. And right. so this is a lesson for me, a reminder for me. And you talked about investing in yourself, investing in your time. One of the ways you invest in yourself is you stay plugged in with people who are plugged in in like-minded ventures. And so I don't need to, I'll be honest with you, I don't need to go to the parties with the reality stars. I can't. Mm -hmm. They're cute and they're funny and Mm -hmm. it's a nice distraction, but it's not where I want to go. I Mm -hmm. want to live real reality. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My reality is very different than throwing a drink in a sister's face. That's my life. So why would I hang out with them? It's the funny part about it plugged in right, to people right. who are doing work like you. And I, that's a message to everyone here. Really surround yourself with the people who are going to places you want to go. This is what I have to do with it. Are you dropping been, videos? Because you dropping, you dropping bombs, dimes, missiles, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> aircraft carrier bombs on my show, girl. You dropping them on this show. I'm telling you. So I'm talking about because you articulate, you, you, you're, not, you're not breaking stride. You know, all this is no. impromptu because you're in your zone. Are you dropping like 60 second videos on your social media? You got to start doing that, Kim. You got I to. I do. I you do. You got to. It, it, things are about, we're doing some things behind the scenes. What you saw was just me, me just getting started. And oh, so, yes. or what you see is what me, just me getting started. So the 60 second videos are coming. The, the LinkedIn, as soon as I get the ability to go live on LinkedIn, it's over. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I I kid you not. I'm not. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling. See, I see. You know, I see Facebook watching your future, young lady. I'm just letting you know. You know, it's some stuff out there waiting on you because of the fact that. Yes, sir. Because I, because I, you know, the thing about it is that everything in life is transitional. You know, so because I, I love. Reason I'm so excited about you because this is a voice. First of all, it feels very natural, and you've always entertained. You've always knows how. You always know how to speak. You know how to control a room you're not intimidated by walking in and seeing thousands of strangers in front of you but the fact that you're articulating a support system for everyday people that's a blessing yeah that's a blessing girl and that's what that's why i'm excited that's why i'm on the other end want to just hug you and shake you and go and just you know you know you you, you get grab somebody and just jump around in a circle girl girl you got it you got it you got it Indeed. Well, I see my friends out here, you know, people want to rub shoulders with the A-list, and I get it, and and that has its place. But the truth is, the people that I want to touch are, 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 you know, I'm I'm just a girl from Brooklyn. Right. I've made people laugh. I, you know, stepped my toe. I took a risk and stepped my toe into this crazy business we call show business, and now I want to use my platform in a very uh, broad, delicious inclusive way and that's just my way now you know it it, it, does it mean i get i didn't was i at the oscars no i was not at the oscars right but i don't know if i want to go because who wants to sit up in a a girdle the whole time anyway i want to (laughs) spandex 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 come on and i want to you know i I love traveling go and speak you know people say people have been asking me you know when are you going to do another comedy tour well what i do Rashawn, you're going to like this Uh is I am still able to scratch my comedy itch when I go and I speak. So when I speak, when I do a keynote, I often have taken bits from my comedy act and I've just adapted (laughs) them 
to a speak to a speaker stage. Absolutely. So I still get the feel of performing without having to do 17 shows on a weekend. Yes. Hope that the yeah. manager gives me my bonus. <laughs> you know, you know, have to deal with, you know, drunk, drunk hecklers. You know it's, it. And I get paid more because I sell my goods and products and services at the end. Now, I'm not saying that other comedians don't do that, but most times it's a T-shirt or it's a picture. Right. I'm able to sell my programs that then create change after I speak. So I still get my comedy fix. Mm-hmm. And I get to inspire, educate, entertain, and 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 um, and empower others. Well, you know, this is uh, you know I'm enjoying this interview, and I hope you're doing this, enjoying it as well, because of the fact that we're talking about the possibilities in anybody. And, yes. and then I'm a transitional guy. You're a transitional person, and there's so many everyday people out there who stuck on jobs and complaining, yeah. stuck in relationships and complaining, worried about how old they are. I'm forty. I'm fifty. I'm sixty. What can I do? I I, I can't change. I gotta I gotta stay on this path, and that's a lie. And that's all that's you're saying, Kim. Stop reading the lie. Stop living the lie, and stop being the lie. Stop. Ooh, that's powerful. Well, you know, here's what I tell folks, and this is because people aren't looking, they're not looking in the right place. I think that a lot of people look without. They look out and they go, oh, I'm older than so-and-so and so-and-so, or I've gained too much weight, so I'm fatter than so-and-so, or I'm, I, or I'm in this job and I don't know how to get to this. I say look within. So my thing is story and the power of story. And when I look at um, my client's Stories inside those stories are jewels and gems and beautiful mind fields full of amazingness that can then become your ticket out of the drudgery. So I call it captivating with your story. Captivate with your story. All of us have within us stories of the yummy and the yucky, the ups and the downs, the things that we've learned, the lived experiences. The other phrase I love to say is, what if everything that has happened to you has actually happened for you? That means you have a fresh perspective on the yummy and the yucky stuff that has happened. You have survived it. You have, uh, you know, you are a victor. So why not use your story to go back and help other people, to share with others how you came through? And so those are the things I like to pull out of people, pull out the stories. And these are your books. These are your speaking engagements. These are your foundations. There are people who started foundation because they looked at their story and said, oh, my goodness, this is what I've overcome, or this is what my parents did to become who they were, and now I want to give back by sharing the story and bringing people in. And so those people who are sitting around going, I'm too this or I'm not enough that, the truth is within you lies beautiful stories of, uh, and it just, it, it's just a matter of tapping into that and then using those stories to either A, build your confidence and go on about your business, or B, build a business. And that's what I, that's my like sweet spot right now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's transition right into Captivate with Your Story, which is the power yeah. of story to amplify your or any business. Captivate with your story. Lead with your message. Yes. That's another well, that's platform. That's another platform that's a, that you have Kim Unity mastermind right and then you now yes. you have captivate with your story tell us about that yeah 
So Captivate With Your Story is just that. It's me teaching uh, the principles of using the power of story to captivate and connect to build an extraordinary life and business. So we connect. It, it is primal in us to love story. We teach our little ones with story. We learn from our elders with story. It is it's how we... Uh, process. It's how we see ourselves. You know, when you told, when you mentioned at the beginning, you and I were running around New York, you know, trying to make it, people can literally visualize themselves at a time in their life when they were running around trying to figure something out, you right. know, making waves and right. trying to make things happen. You, you put yourself in that person's experience, right. mm -hmm. even if we've never had the experience. And so it's a powerful way to connect. Comedians who are telling stories on stage, right, aren't just telling you their experiences. They're having you look at the ridiculousness of what they thought or what they saw, and you, too, see it and experience it. And even if you haven't had that experience, you, 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 you resonate with it. Right. And so I'm, I'm helping people to use their story to help them to resonate with the people that they want to share their message and their mission with. And it's about visibility, it's about creating impact and becoming more profitable just by using what you already have. So rather than putting up an Instagram post that says, buy my bundles of hair, right. you're explaining <laughs> why you got in the hair business to begin with. Maybe you, an auntie of yours had alopecia and she was so embarrassed that her hair wasn't growing or whatever it is. And so mm -hmm. you wanted to create beautiful wigs or, you know, something to, to make her feel, I don't know, you know, whatever it, it is. Creating an engagement, creating a relationship. That's what you're saying. Exactly. A story it's, can sell a, a long time versus, oh, because uh, everybody got hair everybody got hair but why right. do are you engaged why is it important that you should be uh, you should come to me as a customer tell me tell your story your story sells a lot you know a single mom you know uh, a person who's in college or some person who's trying to change their life their life and they've been working a job that they don't like and this is their opportunity to, to break out and they and because I've, I've known this is that you know right now I represent Stephen A. Smith and one of the things He's, he's an HBCU graduate. You know, he's mm -hmm. a, he, he was held back in grade school. And he's, he tells that story, and people relate to that. And so what happens in business, people need to understand is that relate to it. You can, you can, look, you can tell, the, like the Super Bowl commercial, one of the most popular Super Bowl commercials was the Google commercial. And the guy was talking about, was talking about his, back in the day when he was remembering everything. That was a story to an emotion that they was tapping into. And that's what you're yeah. talking about in your story. Tell a story that's relatable to many and also will engage conversation. That is a beautiful yeah. message, Kim Coles. Thank you. You know, I created something that I, I can give every one of your listeners. It's 100% free. One of the first questions I get was, I don't know if I have a story. Well, I don't have any stories. Right. They also say, how do I tell my story without telling all my business? And there's a way to do that, too. Mm -hmm. But I have a free gift for everybody listening, and it's you just go to www. Do we still say all the W's, by the way? I, 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 I do. I do. I'm country. I do. Come on now. <laughs> Kim.com. Okay. So com, And that will give you a little mini course okay. that I have that I give people some of my favorite story prompts that will get you thinking about mm -hmm. and remembering stories that you haven't thought about for years. Mm -hmm. And then we can talk about how to then connect it to what you want to do. Do you want to write a book? Do you want to become a speaker? Do you want to connect this 
Uh, <laughs> I just need. Sneeze in the middle of the interview. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you was at um, that crescendo too. You know, as you were leading, that's like the minister about to call everybody to the altar and just start coughing. <laughs> I want y'all to come and meet G. 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 That means spirit is really coming in now. It's all about connecting your story mm-hmm. to everything else that you want to do. And I feel that story is the foundation. So if I give you this free mini course, it will get you really thinking about what stories are already inside of you, and then I have a way for you to contact me if you want to work further. So it's 100% free. I have little videos. I have worksheets for you, and it's storywithkim.com. Well, I'm going to get that out. I'm going to talk to my staff when I get back to the office, and uh, we're going to go to your site, get that, create a post, one of your beautiful pictures that you have running around on LinkedIn. And and also oh, when I when you, you post on LinkedIn, I'm gonna start liking your post so you can get it in my timeline. I'm just telling you, Kim, um, you're you're such a breath of fresh air. Secondly, as oh. you, and I know talent, my dear, you will be back on TV doing this. You, oh, thank you. If you, this is you, this is this is who you are. You know, we can we can go through life and say, oh, she's a great comedic actress. Oh, she's so entertaining. But like you said, Rochelle, I still entertain when I deliver my message. I deliver a little sugar with the salt and all that good stuff. And so that is, I'm, I'm just hearing in this in this conversation that first of all, you bless my listeners. We, well, us reconnecting in this manner is so awesome. But more important, the message and the consistent tone in your message, because you have that bob and head, that bob and head information. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, bobbing yeah, head yeah. When you're bobbing head. Yeah, she right. She listen to a bill. Listen to a Sally. Oh yeah, she right about that. She right about that. You got that bobbing head, and she right about that information. And don't you stop, but Kim. Isn't Cole. that better? Isn't that better than that other energy of, um, you know, yelling at folks or uh-huh. telling everybody what yes. everybody's doing wrong? There's yes. people whose names I'm not going to mention. Absolutely. I just think you get what you put out. Absolutely. And I think the energy that you put out, there's a difference between the bobbin head information and, you know, clutching your pearls information. Like, Absolutely. oh, no, she didn't say that. Absolutely. And Absolutely. so um, that I just want to stay in the place of joy and love and possibilities. And I see that in other people, which is why. Uh, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. So thank you for providing a platform uh, for, for for like-minded folks like you. So thank you so much. I see what you're doing. I, I always you. did. Mm-hmm. And you will always, can I just say for the record, you have stayed sharp. <laughs> you, you have, listen, I don't know. I didn't know what was in your bank account or not. Right, and I'm right, sure right. early on you didn't have the funds to right, have absolutely. a great looking suit. Right. But mm-hmm. you always presented yourself mm-hmm. professionally yes, and ma'am. and positively yes, and you you came you know you came in wearing a suit when everybody else was wearing raggedy jeans absolutely i I, I fought that mm-hmm. i fought that kim i know it was an option kim, a choice it was a choice and thank you for making that choice thank you kim you've been amazing uh first of all you're in my life i'm in your life and i swear to you do not stop you are going on tv with this in some form some fashion whether it's syndication, whether it's a platform of immediately being a guest on talk shows, Facebook Watch Live, you're going on TV because you're such a blessing. I want to thank you for coming on my show. This is moneymakingconversation.com. If you want to listen to other podcasts, I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host.
As host of Money Making Conversations, Rashawn McDonald is uniquely positioned to provide a step-by-step, easy-to-understand blueprint that drives listeners to realize their dreams and aspirations. Until you do the business plan or incorporate or actually create that product or start selling products, the universe doesn't have to deal with you. Money Making Conversations is an innovative platform that delivers financial literacy to help everyone with their brand success. It's good to have a money making conversation with somebody that make money. <laughs> the five time NAACP Image Award winning series Unsung returns profiling more amazing entertainers. Unsung delves into the lives of trailblazing musical legends whose full stories and journeys have yet to be explored or explained. The series celebrates the lives and careers of artists or groups who, despite great talent, have been underappreciated or underrecognized. Through first-hand accounts, interviews with family and friends, and archival footage, each episode weaves a tale of the highs and lows of a life in the limelight. My next guest, she's appearing on this episode. Hip-hop's first female rap legend, radio host, TV One's Unsung episode airs March 1st at 10 p.m. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Roxanne Shantae. Well, thank you, thank you. I really, I, I love that intro. Well, first of all, uh, let's let's just talk about uh, what I know. You know, I, you, you, you're an individual. I saw the the Netflix movie Roxanne Roxanne, and now yeah. you're doing this show Unsung. Okay. Yeah. And the un, now you know when they do movies, they kind of change stuff around so they can make. Make the storyline fit, or it may embellish it, or or may undersell certain things in that movie. You know, your mom role in the movie, you 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 get kicked out. But what I did take away from that movie, between the ages of fifteen and eighteen, you led a pretty full life. Absolutely, and what we did actually with the movie is that we kind of took things out of it because we weren't ready. We weren't sure if the world was really ready for uh, Roxanne Shante. I want to say. Um, Uncensored. Right. So what we what we did was we act because we wanted to make sure that the movie was going to be a movie where parents, especially fathers, were going to be able to sit down and watch it with their daughters. So there were certain aspects of the movie things that we took out, but we did not add anything to it because the Roxanne Shante life definitely doesn't need any additives. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely great on its own. So um, everything you see is everything that you saw in the movie was. Uh, factual there was no um we didn't add anything for any dramatic effect um you know it, it's just how it was and people look at the movie and say like you survived that but you're still standing you're still smiling you know i have a radio show daily on sirius xm which is called have a nice day where i'm literally just trying to make sure that the world has a nice day or at least gets a chance to laugh at least once to forget their problems and things that are going on and to be able to do that I'm able to do that because there's a certain resilience that are in us that allows us to say, okay, you know what, these are my problems, this is what I went through, but I've also learned how to direct the anger for those that it needs to be directed towards, and it led me to live a, a just a happy life. Well, you have a great life. You know, I always, t- I always say that, uh, you know, I come from the inner city, and there are some things that happened to me and as I grew up that, you know, might not be favorable to the average person in the conversation, but it didn't damage me. It's part of my right. story. It's part of who I am today. I learn. I always tell people, Absolutely. you know, you learn from your mistakes, you know. You, you, you know, if you learn from it, it doesn't become an error in your life. And so, there so there was, there was some fun, fun characters in the movie, like the young lady who, uh, your, your, your hype lady. That was a real person? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. 
absolutely, best friend Katrina. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> she. And I think I think everyone needs to have one of those in their life. You need to have that person who can give you that extra hype that you need when you're unable to hype yourself. Because, you know, there's some days now where we sit back and we can't seem to get a jump start. And then you have that one phone call, that one person that'd be like, Liz, you better get up and get out there and get on something. You know, look what's going on in life. Look how you live. You know, because other people can see the value in your situation when you can't. You know, that, that, that's what I loved about her character. Because from So so when did your relationship with her start? We're talking to Roxanne Chate. You're talking about the movie Roxanne, Roxanne, that aired on uh, Netflix. It came out, I think, in 2018. Uh, yeah. It's a great, compelling movie. I, as, soon as, as soon as you were booked for the show, Thank I went you. and watched it again. I said, okay, I got I to gotta, gotta sharpen my Roxanne, Roxanne information. And uh, <laughs> can't be coming on this show stumbling. And so, uh, and so you know, you know the, it, it, you were just born in a great era for rap. You know, it, and, and the fact that you were so respected, how did that come about? Because you were a female. And, you know, and we all know this is a, everything's male dominated. You know, you know, women can't compete with me. They, they can't physically, mentally, you know, socially. And then here you are challenging status quo. Take us through that little journey with your little rap, your little, your little hype master right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what it is is that, Having the ability to be able to freestyle, which is something that not everyone is able to do, where you can literally just sit down and, and rhyme throughout life. And when I say being able to rhyme throughout life, that means just being able to walk through the house and rhyme about the things that you see or watching certain television shows and being able to uh, rhyme about those or just being able to put words together um, so effortless, effortlessly with rhyming ability. It just worked out pretty good, so it allowed me to be a great battle rapper because it allowed me to be able to talk about whatever somebody had on. Now, having a hype person, <laughs> a hype person is the person that makes sure that the crowd comes along right. to see what you're doing, right. because you don't want to have a great battle and it's only three of you there. Right. You know, right. Two, right. two may walk away and say you didn't win. <laughs> then, you know, so no, you need to have a large crowd. Right. If you're right. going to do it, you do it right. If you're going to show up, you got to show up and show out. Mm -hmm. And I come from a family of women Mm -hmm. that have always been able to do that. From when my mom and my aunts would enter into dance contests, and they would enter into dance contests pretending like they didn't practice all week. You know, they just show up and make it seem like that's just something they came up with. Right. But knowing that that's something that they did while they were in a club, or we're going to go to a barbecue, or we're going to go here. So it was always, it's coming from a family that was willing to show up and show out. So I was never afraid of a crowd, which mm -hmm. I think is like... Um, Rule number one is if you want to be an entertainer, you can't be afraid of a crowd. Right. Whether they're for you or against you, you cannot be afraid of a crowd. And now, um, I was able to do that. Now, you know, when you talk about the journey, uh, when you first started going out, and uh, tell us about the neighborhood you grew up in. Give us, that, give us the, the surroundings of the environment that you grew up in. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, grew, up in, I grew up in Queensbridge Public Housing, which is the largest housing project in the world. And it was like a city. I grew up actually in a city where a city inside of a city where you didn't have to go outside of the projects for anything. You know, everything that you needed was there. Schools, medical uh, clinic, the stores, the sneaker stores, fish markets, fruit stands, everything was inside of my projects, including a pool and a park. Now, we've always had a multi-million dollar view from our project apartment windows, which is now the apartments that people are paying millions of dollars for, but we saw the value in that. So I never really knew that I was in a, in a hood. Right. You know, mm -hmm. no one, I, it just didn't seem like it. We had our own train station, 
So all of the things that everyone aspired to have, we had right. in the projects. And it was very family-orientated. So it was a very large family um, housing project, which I think is the reason why it was so successful in still standing, because there were families. They were people who were really related to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, families with 16 children, families mm-hmm. with 10 children, families with 11 children. So because of that, you know, they literally took over the projects, and so we didn't have a lot of problems where a lot of other housing projects had that. But when you go out to travel and you bring your neighbors with you, you have 30,000 neighbors. You know, wow. so when people say, like, okay, well, you know, you show up and you perform, and they say, well, you know, you're going to have some people from your neighborhood come. you got to be like, no, I can't. <laughs> and they'd be like, well, why? And you'd be like, my whole neighborhood will fill this whole arena. Like, I can't <laughs> invite my whole neighborhood where some people grew up on a block. Right. You know, you right. got 10 people off your block. Right. You took right. about 10,000 on one block. Right, right, so, right. So it was just different, you know, for that. But it was a blessing. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the reasons why I was able to walk with no fear going into places because no matter where you went, there was always somebody from Queensbridge there. And that is a true story. Whether I was in Germany, it would be somebody who went in the Army, who mm-hmm. was from Queensbridge, <laughs> who went in the Army, and they was in Germany, showed up at the show. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was just a blessing to be born where I was born, especially mm-hmm. to be born to who I was born to, mm-hmm. you know, having such a great, strong mom. Someone who was no nonsense. Oh, she was no nonsense. Oh, she was Nia Long played that role, girl. Ooh. Oh, Nia killed it, didn't she? Kill it. And the thing about it is that you know I grew up in a household where you were able to use profanity as an expression. Mm-hmm. So you know now you couldn't just go around cursing people out. Right, right, but right. Should the moment arise where you need to say it, you know, I remember the first time I heard my grandmother use foul language. It came out of her mouth. So, I guess I want to say, like, it came out of her mouth so smoothly, I thought she was singing to the lady. And I was like, you know what, I can't wait to sing that song. I love it. I love it. You know, let, let, let's go back to your mom. The, the Nia Long yeah. played the role. You know, she was a strong lady in the, in the movie uh, series. Uh, you know, she has a guy she's dated and he does her wrong. And, and she's just a single mom just trying to give the best life for her daughters. And yeah. But she kept stressing education. She kept saying, stay in school, stay in school, stay in school. How did that message play out in your life now? That message of well, staying in school, get an education. All This is all good, but get an education. You better than this. Right. Well, the thing about it was that she understood the importance of having one. Because coming from the rural South, there were a lot of things that were not available to them that she felt was available in the city. Like, I went to school... Even though we grew up together inside of Queensbridge projects where most children went to public school, which is like PS 111, my mom chose to have us become bus children, which means we were bused out of the neighborhood into other schools. And though there was our own personal difficulties with doing that, because, you know, when you're the only black child in all-white school, you know, there are certain things that you deal with on a daily basis that you wouldn't deal with if you went to school with people in the neighborhood. But my mom's strategy was that, listen, you don't live with these folks. You're going to be with these folks. Mm-hmm. But you know what? The world is a lot bigger than Queensbridge, so I need you to start your education outside of there. And so for me, it was always very, very important in, uh, in wanting to pursue it, understanding the importance of it. And even now, having a program, having a nonprofit program with my husband called Mind Over Matter where we go into the schools to make sure these young ladies stay in school from the ninth to the 12th grade. We follow them both academically and personally to make sure that they understand the importance of school. And I tell everyone that. I said, listen, 
you know, I'm an advocate for higher education because right. I know how important it is, but I've also experienced the world of, I like to say, the mean world of smart people where they feel that, you know, you must have certain documentation in order to even be heard. So I tell everyone, like, listen, self-education is great. Um, if you're able to pursue it, a further academic education is great, you know, into, into the world of academia, bring your own home lessons with you, right. and then you'll be able to be successful. Wow. Okay, now, you just laid it out there, Roxanne. <laughs> see, see, you know, I, I'm not a guy who puts sentences together like that that fast, you know, but you just, like, articulated it. It did just stop, though. See, <laughs> see, I, I don't like you. I don't like you, Roxanne. I don't like you. You know what I'm saying? You know, you just was just, just laying out sentence after sentence after sentence after sentence, and then you just stop. Well, you battling me. Are you ready for me to spit? Because it ain't going to happen. <laughs> It ain't going to happen. <laughs> well, thank you. I like the way you put that. Maybe I'm always on, I guess that is the battle rapper in me that allows me to uh, articulate the way I do. But, I mean, I've also been tapped on the back and told that I was a pretty good orator. Well, you are. You are. That's that's the thank gift. You. That's that's the journey. And that's, uh, you know, I look at that. You know, uh, I represent Stephen A. Smith and I, and, uh, on ESPN, and I talk to him. I go, man, you got a gift, man. Your ability to just to put a sentence after a sentence after a sentence and just to see something and just to capture it and then just give it back to a, a viewer or a listen, that's a gift. And so when I looked at you, when I was watching the show and listening to your music and watching the battles and you just effortlessly just, just taking all this information in. Now, no, listen to me. My degree is in mathematics, so I know about numbers. I know how you have to bring stuff in and just spit out the information. You, you, you getting all this information. You got noise. You got people... Booing you, you got people cheering you, you got somebody screaming in your face, and then you got to articulate all that information back to them. That is a gift, young lady. Thank you, thank you. But don't, but don't do that to me no more. Don't, don't, don't rattle off my fifteen <laughs> sentences and then stop on me again, because you know I'm gonna come find you. I'm gonna find you. You're not gonna do me on my show. <laughs> I know that's right. I know that's right. <laughs> I'm gonna be back with more. Of my, she's my friend now, Roxanne Chate. We'll be right back with more. From Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, the host of Money Making Conversations. You say to yourself, who calls Rashawn's show? Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, comedian Dion Cole. A lot of people fail to realize when you look in the mirror every morning, you pass the most unique thing in the world. And I talk about this in my stand-up. You are unique in every way. you got to look at what's unique in you and then capitalize on it. Money Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, and you're listening to Money Making Conversation. Roxanne Shantae, she's also hosts a live show. Well, that's 4 to 7 p.m. on Monday through Friday on Sirius XM. It's called Have a Nice Day on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Tell us about that day, that show, and how did it get started? Well, actually, I, I was able to get, and it's so funny because this is how it started. LL, um, LL Cool J reached out and said, listen, you know, I want to interview you about the movie. I'm going to interview you and Nia. And I was like, okay, great. So we, I went out to L.A. When I went out to L.A., we started doing an interview similar to this one. Mm-hmm. We were doing an interview, <laughs> and then all of a sudden at the end of the interview, because I had him laughing, I had him almost crying, uh, we talked about past, present, future, everything. Mm-hmm. He said, you know what? You need to be on radio. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you think so? And he was like, I know so. And I'm going to make it happen. And so I was like, oh, okay, you know, just, just taking it nonchalant. Right, like, right, oh, right, hey, right. No problem. You know, you got my number, you let me know. And by the time I got home, he had me come in for an air check. 
Mm-hmm. And when I went in for an air check, the I thought I had did something wrong, and the lady came back to me, and she was like, that is the best air check I have ever heard, and I have been in radio for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. I've never had a person come in and ace it in just the first try. She said, listen, if they don't hire you, I got a whole bunch of other places that will. Mm-hmm. So we started laughing about it, mm-hmm. and then the next thing you know, we started having a nice day. Oh, my goodness. Now, how did the name come about? How did the name come about? Well, it came from the fact that, you know, I don't hold any animosity. I'm a, I'm a very pleasant person. When people meet me, of course, we all have our sides that, you know, if I'm in a battle, <laughs> then I need to battle. But if I I'm put afterwards... You I know, so I'm going to stop you right there. You are so funny to me because I could tell you, you're sweet. You're nice, you know, bless you. Uh, God is good. But, boy, yes. they get you in the right kitchen, standing next to the right knife. It gonna come, yes. it gonna, it, you're going to pick it up and throw it at them. You yeah, are something gonna, else. Listen, we're going to bust hell wide open. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> yes, we will. You got that, that's, the, that's the beauty of your personality. I, I, you know, I'm going to tell you this. I, got, I have six sisters, and, um, okay. and, and, and just talking to you. You know, I could just see myself just laughing and punching on the shoulder, and, uh, and you calling me a fool. I'm calling you stupid, and and hugging each other and crying at the same time. That that's a, that's a that's a blessing. I'm just telling you that to be able to be that friendly, but that engaging at the same time. That's 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 your gifts. That's one of your gifts. Thank you. You know, it's because I I love people, and and I know that there's going to always be a time where everyone is not going to love you. And everyone is not going to like you, but you don't have to give them a reason to do that. You know, that, just leave it on them to feel their own way. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't add anything to it for that to be the case. I just like for everyone to have a nice day. I feel like there's so much going on in the world, and I've had so many. I've had so many sad days. But the main thing is, you know, I know what it is to want to have a nice day because I know what it is for people to try to make you not have a nice day. Okay, cool. Now, you, at the beginning of the, our interview, you were talking about, uh, I said, well, did they add anything? Did they drop anything? Rashawn, you said, Rashawn, look, uh, we kind of kind kind of, of tamed it down so, you know, parents can watch with their kids so they can get a learning lesson out of this. Great, great acting. It was well-received on Netflix. Now, Unsung calls you. Walk us through that yeah. whole process. Well, I had already appeared. The reason how, the way I had gotten unsung was because I had appeared on so many unsung and had so many great <laughs> stories for everyone. You know, they were like, hold on, did you have unsung? And I was like, no. <laughs> and then with the movie and then with the radio station, you know, we weren't even sure if I was unsung or if I was singing again. Right, right. So, we, so we just, they said, listen, we think that it's your time to have an unsung. And I said, absolutely, because mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of the show. Mm-hmm. I am and, too. And I've always thought that in order to get out certain information, because I love the approach that it took. So I said, yeah, I'll definitely do it. And so that's how we came up with me being able to do my own unsung. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, Talk about uh, how, what big, what role did you play in putting it together? Did you have any say in it? Did you have any producing powers in it? Or you just wanted to make sure that they, they said, we're going to go in this direction. You said, no, go in this direction. How, what role did you play in the actual production or putting together the creative process? Well, for the creative process of Unsung, they mm-hmm. pretty much have their producers how they would like for it to look. Mm-hmm. I think when people say that they may be, and I'm not sure if I've ever heard anyone say this, but for people to say that they may be unhappy with their unsung, that meant that they were unhappy with their life. Right. 
That meant that there were certain aspects of their life maybe they chose not to reveal. The Roxanne Shante story is an open book. I just tell everybody that you got to make sure you read something else before you read mine because it shouldn't be the only book that you read because there's going to be some things in there that you need to know mm-hmm. about. And so okay. I just went to them with, you know, with an open heart, open mind, mm-hmm. open spirit, and was like, okay, come on, let's do it. And they were like, well, let's talk about this. I said, okay, fine. And if you notice in my unsung, I really allowed others to tell the story and then gave my opinion on their version of the story. I don't <laughs> think too many other unsungs did that. I, I, felt like it was, I felt like it was no need for me to say, well, I did this for this one. Instead, it may be that person who says what I did for them. Or I didn't say, this person did that to me. Right. Someone else said, look what happened to her. And, this, you know, because that's the way I've always lived life. I've never taken things and carried them with me. Right. That's why I'm able to travel so, you know, travel so much. Because I don't have heavy luggage. I can travel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's the, the fun part about my interview with you and, uh, and just the information you're giving everybody is that, first mm-hmm. of all, you're very honest. Super Sean, look. Yes. I'm not over here trying to sugarcoat. This, this is my story. I can tell you a darker story. I can tell you this story. Which, whichever you want to sit down and hear, okay? Exactly. But what I'm not going to do is brag about what I've accomplished. But, and that's, what, that's why you're a legend. See, a legend can... A, when you're a legend, Roxanne, see, other yes. people can tell their story about you. You go, yeah, that's right, but here's how it really happened. Now, there were two very prominent names that popped up in your movie, uh, Roxanne, Roxanne. Uh, Biz Marquis. And Nas. Yes. Tell us about both those relationships, starting with Biz Marquis. Um, my relationship with Biz, Biz is my brother, beyond brother, if you can even give someone that title. Uh, we've traveled together. He was the first person to say to me, listen, don't you know we're going to be stars? Right. We're going to be big stars. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know, let's just go ahead and do these battles. He was like, no. It's going to be bigger than this. You watch. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I said, well, listen, my stage is your stage. So as with everyone that was in the Juice Crew, they all started off as like my DJ first. But it wasn't like I wanted them to be my DJ and seeing them as a subordinate. Oh, yeah, you're going to be my DJ. And no, I wanted them to be my DJ so I could get them on the stage. Right, And then I'd switch places with them during my show. Mm-hmm. and let them perform, and then I'm standing behind the turntables. I'm not doing nothing, but I'm just standing behind there making it <laughs> look like I'm doing something. So that this way, they would be able to have the same platform. I've never had a problem with sharing my platform right. with anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, all I say is that when you come on board, you come on board and bring your best. Mm-hmm. You know, don't just come up here just to do it, because I never want anybody to feel like, ah, oh, well, you know what? Oh, it's just a Roxanne Shantae thing, and not take it seriously. Right. And even to get to the point of Nas, you know, I told Nas, like, you, you're great, you know? So now listen, you come back when you got everything together, because <laughs> why come out and do some little rhymes that don't even represent, you know, how knowledgeable you are, you mm-hmm. know, how smart you are, how brilliant right. you are, how right. intelligent you are. Right. And so the next thing you know, he came back and he was nasty Nas. And I was like, <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> Awesome. Now, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, you are a, um, you know, like I said, I, my life, I'm always paying it forward. I'm always uh, stepping out of my uh, comfort zone and, and telling people how great they can be and pushing them forward. And, and it's paying back to me for me in my life right now. And I was just doing it. And I, I tend to believe that's part of your natural personality, too. No matter whether you're doing good and bad in your life, I feel you always have something good to say 
when you to somebody who deserves to hear it or need to hear it, correct? Yes, absolutely. I am definitely a person who will always point out the positive in people and give them that push. I stop, I feed the homeless. Um, if I'm going, I could be on my way going to have a dinner, and if there's someone outside and they say that they're hungry, I'll go inside, purchase them a dinner, bring it outside to them before I even sit down and get comfortable and have my own dinner because I know what it's like to to look at those who have and you don't have and wish you had, and then you say, well, you know what? When I get in that position, I'm never going to be selfish like them. I'm never going to be that way, and I stick to that, and, and that's that's the way I live my life to know that all the things that I said when I was young, all the things that I said when I was in the streets, all the things when I said when I was boosting in stores, when I was by myself, that I made sure to be able to, once I was in a position, to make sure that everyone was good. And sometimes that's even to a fault because you're so busy sharing and mm-hmm. people are so busy stealing mm-hmm. that you don't even realize that that's what's happening. Right. Now, here's the interesting thing about you because uh, in the movie, you know, it, it ends with that moment with Nas, but we all know yeah. that you pursued educa- went to college and pursued higher education. How did they come up? Did you pay for your ho- your, your college education? Uh, how was that? Uh, how was that funded along the way? And how many years did well, it take you to go through that process? Well, what it was was that I started off as a great keynote speaker, as I'm sure that you can tell from how I speak now. That um, I was wanted, and a lot of universities sent right. me to come out and. I would speak on the fact of pursuing higher education. Right. During that time, the record company was supposed to pay for my uh, my education, and it got to a point where they were no longer paying for it. So anyone that has been in school or has went through that, you know what it is to get that dreadful call to the bursar's office when they tell you that you know your school has not been paid for up until this point. Mm. So then you have then you have to leave school, and as I was leaving. I remember speaking with one of my professors, and they were like, you know, you need to go and speak about this out into the world. And so I became a keynote speaker. Us, the moniker of Dr. Roxanne and Shantae started there. Wow. So you, they, they, were, they were paying for your education, and then they just stopped? Yes. And did you, did you follow up on that? Why did they stop? Or did you just forget that? I'm just going to handle it myself. Exactly. And I was like, you know, and there's certain things that, you know, you're a single mom, you're out here, you're trying to make things happen, and you're unable to continue with it. So you pick up whatever it is that you're able to do, and you're able to pursue from it. But I do say this much, as I say to anyone that is listening, that I definitely support everyone to go as far in their education as possible. Higher education is a must. Having a degree to a certain extent, is what it does is it allows and opens up doors for you. When I get the chance to, because now I have been blessed so much to have so many things on my plate, I would love to go back and pursue my education because that's something that I've always wanted to do. Wow. You know, I'd say the same thing. I tell people that, uh, you know, when I came out of high school, uh, I wanted to be a forklift driver. Yeah. And I I became a forklift driver, and then I dropped a box on the guy's hand and broke it, and they fired me. So. That, that was the end of my forklift driving career. And then I walked on campus and uh, at the University of Houston and saw some things that 
most of the, the nice looking ladies. And I went, that's, that, I need to go to college. And college changed my life. It, you know, that, that's yes. whatever drug me, whatever drags you on campus, let it pull you, let it pull you, let it pull you to Absolutely. that, to that lane of higher education. That's what, and it pulled me on there. And uh, seven years later, uh, my degree is in mathematics, was in mathematics. And uh, I said, it is, because one thing about, I would tell people about education, they can't repo your degree. Can't nobody come and go, you know, so we're going to take that off that way. Well, nope, they can't do that. That's that's the beauty of education. My minors in sociology, and it changed my life. So, Roxanne Sante, this uh, this uh, Sunday, uh, you're yes. starring in uh, starring for the first time because you've always been on unsung. Finally, it's about you. It's your game. Finally, uh, my own unsung. Absolutely. Finally. You know, you 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 should like pose to the side. You know, people go in my own one. You know, this is about me. Nah, nah, nah. Finally, about me. So, but your gifts are so 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 amazing. You. You deserve the ability to speak. You deserve to have your own radio show. But what I enjoy the most about it is that you have a balanced life. And that's something I preach about on this show, having that balanced life. Talk to us about that. Well, one thing that you have to do is that in life you must have balance. You also have to understand balance, that you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days. But you need to make sure that you don't let your bad days overwhelm the possibility of you enjoying your good days. For me, I have great balance. I have a... I have a husband who enjoys the things that I enjoy. We watch a lot of boxing. We go to a lot of boxing matches. Um, we also know that we are pillars in the community, so we do a lot of giving back. We make sure we do that. My children, you know, I have a boy and a girl, and um, I'm able to spend enough time with both of them for them to understand the balance between the two. Mm-hmm. And um, the only thing I don't have that's balanced, and I'm going to be perfectly honest with you and the listeners, is my diet. But I'm damn sure working on that. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, my friend, you know, your, your beauty, your personality, and because uh, uh, my, my wife screams about that too. So you're not the only one out there screaming about, I got issues, I got food issues, I got eating issues. But more importantly, yeah. you know, your fluidity and your ability to communicate is amazing. Uh, I could just, I would tell you something, Shante. I could just listen to you talk a, a lot, a lot. And you should, you should uh, probably do some storytelling, put some audio books out there because you got it going on. Plus, you should be doing somewhere doing voiceover as well because you got, you got skill. You got, you got a blessing that everybody needs to hear. Common, common can't be doing them all. Common can't do all of them. All the voices. <laughs> well, there's, well, there's always time and there's always future for me to do all of those things, and I thank you. I appreciate you. We're listening to my girl, Roxanne Chante. Hi, this is Rushon McDonald, the host of Money Making Conversations. You say to yourself, who calls Rushon's show? Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Lala Anthony. We met, you know, you always say, Rashawn, yes. uh, can you give me, can we talk, can we talk? I, I mean, always talk to you about everything, <laughs> everything. And looking at you and Steve Harvey, you know, that motivated me too, because I would see all the amazing things you guys were doing and not just being on the radio. I mm-hmm. felt like at that time and even now, you mm-hmm. know, people want to put people in boxes. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, the incredible Nick Cannon. You're truly one of my mentors and one of the people that showed me that you can be motivated. You know for a fact now that you're about to capture an audience that's going to have a spending power for at least another 20 years. To me, it's like my happiness has been valuable. Money doesn't make you happy, but happy makes you money. Money Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com. My next guest is the food editor of the New York Times, a columnist for the New York Times Magazine and the founding editor of NYT Cooking, an award-winning digital cookbook and cooking school. 
He is also the author of Thanksgiving, How to Cook It Well. He is on the show to talk about his newest cookbook, and I will put the word amazing cookbook. See you on Sunday, a cookbook for family and friends, available now from Random House. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Sam Sifton. How are you doing? <laughs> Sam, I had to, had to put the word amazing in front of your cookbook. Well, See I you on that. Sunday, a cookbook for family and friends. Um, Sam, I've been doing this show, well, I have a long history, uh, you know, radio, syndicated radio. Uh, Steve Harvey launched his talk show in 2012, so I saw a lot of recipe books and a lot of cooks and a lot of chefs in my time. I've done this show since 2017. Uh, a lot of chefs. I'm a foodie. I'm an award-winning baker. I have an app with like 80 recipe, baking recipes. Your book, my friend. And I have like, I have like over the years, I've got like about four of them that sit in my house that I love. Mm-hmm. Yours go to the, goes to the top of the line. This is an amazing cookbook. Well, I thank you for saying so. I, I, I wrote it because I wanted to um, put out into the world a message that if you cook for your family, if you cook for your friends, and you do so on a regular basis so that people can think, like, it doesn't have to be a Sunday. It could be a Thursday night or a Saturday mm-hmm. night. But if people know that it's coming mm-hmm. and can count on it in some way, mm-hmm. then they count on you and you count on them, your life and their lives are going to be better. And the the recipes, I'm glad you love them. I love them too, uh, but they're incidental to to the message. And right. the, the message is regularity matters, and building that kind of community matters. And family matters. Right? That Absolutely. Was a, that was a, but, also, but I'll tell you, I, I take a much wider view of what constitutes family than the dictionary right. does. Mm-hmm. Um, there are plenty, anybody's welcome at my table, and I, I think that's important to, to say and to and and to and, and a truth to walk and believe in. Um, there, you know, I think I say in the book, people are lonely. You got to feed them, and you need to find them in your community alongside your family. Family is the most important, but take a wide view of what family is. You know, it's really interesting you say that because uh, I come from a big family. You know, six mm-hmm. sisters, two brothers. When I was growing up, and I've become successful in my life, I travel a lot, so I tend to eat by myself a lot. And, right. I, and I really don't appreciate the meal. I'm just consuming the meal. And, yep. and that's not fair to the moment, I feel. And sometimes I see other people and, and you know, and, I, and I've actually walked to other people's tables. Hey, you like some company? You know, and some people have looked at me weird, you know. And, yep. but, but, that, that, but I know that some people I've sat down, we had a marvelous time. The, 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 the moment of dinner, it was extended longer. And uh, and we learned something about each other, you know, and and uh, and our values have, were shared there, and that's what dinner time and eating really is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be an experience in the moment, correct? And that's I, what you that's what you're sharing in this book. I completely agree. That is what that is what I like. But you raise a really interesting point, which is that for for those of us who have seen uh, some success in their in their lives, it does lead to travel, and it does generally lead to solo travel and Mm -hmm. you know you describing that i've been that i've been that guy sitting alone (laughs) at the bar with a book eating those wings and just thinking i'm supposed to be the guy telling everybody to share a family dinner and uh, i'm eating a plate of wings alone at a hotel bar um, i i think you're absolutely right that, that that we need to reach out and try every time we gather in the presence of food and drink to 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 connect yeah, because guess what? 
great food leads to a great atmosphere, leads to a good conversation, leads to a relationship building moment. And that's why I really, I'm going to tell you something. I got your book. It came in via UPS yesterday afternoon. And I arrived home. So I knew it was at my house. And so I immediately opened these recipe books up. And I and I go to the front of the back and I go, and I like I got, over the years, I got like about four books. And uh, your book, I immediately went to the dessert section. And I went, uh-huh. peach pie. Peach pie. Yeah. And I read that recipe. I go, you got to be kidding me. Is that easy? That simple? Your recipes throughout your book are frighteningly simple. Yeah, they're designed to be. My, my <laughs> belief is, and uh, my belief is, and, and you know that I've, I've said this before, um, they're trying to trick us half the time with these recipes <laughs> that make it like, it like it's a science experiment or you're building a rocket to go right. to the moon. Right. It doesn't need to be that way. If you think how your mother or your grandmother cooked, right. there wasn't, it, it wasn't complicated. Um, it's just a, it's a, it's step by step by step. And, and I try as much as possible in, in, in my development of the recipes and my writing of the recipes to make the language as clear as possible so that, um, there's no mystery to it. Um, and I'm not invested in making anyone believe that it's more complicated than it really is. Uh, it should be simple. And it is simple. I'm talking to Sam Sifton. Uh, his book, See You on Sunday, a cookbook for family and friends. So I get, I get in my, and so I cook a lot. I bake a lot. So you have, you have a great portion of the book, How to Set Up Your Kitchen. You know, getting ready. You should always be ready for the moment. I was ready for the moment when this book arrived. Okay, Sam? <laughs> so, so, I, so I went to this section that said pan-roasted chicken thighs. And I'm telling yep. you on on. on um, Tuesday, I just went to the store and bought some chicken thighs. I love chicken thighs, chicken breasts. I just like to keep them in, and in, in drumettes. I like to keep them in there. I can just put some, sometimes some, just some uh, cream of mushroom soup over them and put some cheese on them. Bam, it's ready for me right quick. <laughs> and and so, so I went in there, I went, okay, now this, this is too simple. 12 bone-in skin-on chicken thighs, kosher salt, freshly ground black pepper, a half a cup of, of oil, such as canola or grapeseed. That's it. Yeah, man. That's Let it. the chicken do the talking. <laughs> That's it. I kid you not. I followed these instructions and had a marvelous meal last night. Marvelous. That's right. Meal. You didn't marvelous need the meal. chicken. But you didn't need the cream of mushroom soup. You didn't need the cheese. You just needed the chicken. <laughs> this, this, this right here. I, you know, like, you know. I never met you, Sam. I fell in love with you right there, my brother. <laughs> we became brethren in food right there. I was eating yes, by sir. myself, but I was thinking about you the whole time. And that's the purpose of this book, correct? <laughs> that is correct. Um, uh, although I would hope that we could um, not just eat alone, but eat with uh, a, a group of people and, right. and share in the fellowship of the, of the table and, um, and watch our lives improve over time as a result. Well, you know, the thing when I, when I say that, when thinking about you, is that, you know, just to personalize in my life. Because a lot of times I eat, I just eat, okay? And, and, but this time I was enjoying the meal. I was enjoying the journey of how I got to the meal, enjoying the person who brought this experience to me. And, and that was important for me to say in this interview with you and important to tell people why I'm, exo- why I'm so excited about this book. See you on Sunday. You know, it's a, a great book. It's by Sam Sifton, food editor of the New York Times. And when I, when, I, when I go through the book, you know, it opens with you talk about family, talk about your kids, and you talk about the importance of that relationship. But the part that really I really liked about is early on in the book, 
the how-to portion of the mm-hmm. book, I call it. How to set up your kitchen. How to this. Why was that so important? Well, I think it's important to kind of set the stage for how you're actually going to get this done. Mm-hmm. I see it as my job to give you the confidence uh, to execute these recipes, to, to execute a change in your life where you're cooking on the regular for family and friends. And in order to do that, I think you need to have you got to have your stuff correct. You, you, you got to have the tools that you need. You got to have uh, the pantry supplies that you need. It's not a lot of stuff, right? Right. right. But it's really not. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it's not bossy. It's not impossible. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of getting your stuff correct <laughs> so that you can execute uh, uh, the recipes. And I think it, like just breaking it down as simply as possible offers people um, the chance to be confident that they're going to have a successful outcome when they turn to a recipe. I think too often when I read a recipe, I'm not set up for it. I'm like, wait, what? Right. <laughs> what? And I, I don't want to ever put anybody in that position where they think, oh, gosh, this isn't for me. Guess right. what? It is for you. I don't care where you're from. I don't care how old you are or young you are, where you live in the country. You're going to be able to pull these recipes off and, and have a good result with your friends and your family. My man, this is awesome. You're, we're listening to Sam Sifton, his great, amazing book, recipe book, cookbook. A uh, family book. See you on <laughs> Sunday, a cookbook for family and friends. We'll be right back because now I'm going to break down these recipes. I'm not going to give you all the recipes, but we got to talk about this is the book of books here, y'all. This is the Bible of recipe books here. Sam has created something that I'm going to tell you something, Sam. My, my wife just got back in town. She's going to fight me for this book. Hi, this is Rushon McDonald, the host of Money Making Conversations. You say to yourself, who calls Rushon Shell? Please welcome to Money Making Conversations. Comedian Dion Cole. A lot of people fail to realize when you look in the mirror every morning, you pass the most unique thing in the world. And I talk about this in my stand-up. You are unique in every way. you got to look at what's unique in you and then capitalize on it. Money Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, and you're listening to Money Making Conversations. I'm excited. Everybody knows I'm a foodie. Everybody know I love dessert. Everybody know that if I, if I see a good meal, I'm going to tell you about it. If I see a good meal, if I'm eating a good meal, I take a picture and post it. Post it. I have this uh, blog uh, that, on my social media called Rashawn Eats, where I travel around and if I I eat a great meal. I take a picture and post it and tell, recommend people to uh, go to this restaurant and eat the particular meal that I so enjoyed at that restaurant. And, and everybody knows that when I sit down and eat, I will order my dessert before I order my meal because I love my desserts. But also, I love good food. And this book that I'm talking about on the show today, See You on Sunday, a cookbook for family and friends, is one of the best books, recipe books, I've ever read. And I've been involved with television and radio since 2000, so we're talking about roughly 20 years of uh, reading books and interviewing uh, chefs, uh, booking chefs, uh, booking authors of cookbooks and recipe books. This by far is the best book I've ever read. See you on Sunday, a cookbook for family and friends. When I say that to you, Sam, what runs through your mind? I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful to you for saying that. I'm so thankful for the 20 years I put into to learning how to write about food and learning how to report about food. Uh, all I ever wanted to do was communicate um, that 
that cooking could make your life better and make other people's lives better, that it's a kind of service, a form of service that matters. And to hear it reflected in, in your joy, uh, overjoyed. I'm overjoyed. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, when, you, when, you, when you sit down to cook and think about it, because, you, you know, food is important to you. And that's, that's yes. and, and it, really, it's, you can't live without it. Let's go and be real. And so, so what, what started you on that journey? Who pointed you in the direction that, of this, this passion that you have now? Well, it's interesting. I grew up in New York City, and New York City is a great food town. So, I, you know, in a remarkably uh, diverse restaurant scene, and you can't, as a kid, you're eating everything from, you know, you're eating slices of pizza and Chinese food, and there's some Sri Lankan place because there's a kid in your third grade class whose parents run it and you eat there. And, <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy, but... So that's a, uh, those are the kind of table stakes of being a New York kid. But when I got to college, I needed to make money. Uh, and I had a roommate who was a bartender at a fancy restaurant in town. And the waitresses in this fancy restaurant were beautiful. And I thought, I got to try and get a job in there. <laughs> and I got a job as the cashier. And... Uh, the cashier also pulled coffee for the customers and for the kitchen staff. Mm -hmm. And these guys would come out of the kitchen in their whites and bandanas and sweaty with their knives. And I'd make them these giant coffee drinks. And I was like, those guys are cool. I want to try that. And so I went uh, to the chef and I asked if I could work in the kitchen. And he gave me a job as a, as a prep cook. And I worked my way up over the course of my college career to, to a, a pretty good job as a line cook there. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I always knew I wanted to be a journalist, but all of a sudden I had another trade, another adrenalized trade. Mm -hmm. um, and I loved it. And the combination of my desire to be a journalist and my love of uh, my time in the, in the kitchen uh, yielded a pretty good career. And my friend, here's the beauty of the, this whole conversation that we have. I'm just going to tell you why this book excited me. Okay, because I'm, I'm a Southern boy. I have lived mm -hmm. in New York. I have lived in Chicago. I mean, lived years in New York. I lived in the Upper East Side, and then I lived in 30, 39th and 1st. And so I've eaten all over Harlem. I've eaten in Brooklyn, and I lived in Chicago for four years. I lived in Los Angeles for 15 years. I live, in, I live currently in Atlanta since 2007. And I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. So you're talking about a guy. And also as a stand-up comedian, I traveled all over this country telling jokes. So I've eaten all over this country. And so when I get this book, I get that. I get, I get my, my life experience of eating. I'm going to tell you right. why, y'all. Okay, he has Delaware fried chicken in here. Okay, because, you know, as I go through this menu, check it. I'm, I'm trying to figure out who am I talking to. Am I talking to a black guy? Am I talking to my mama? Am I talking to a white guy? <laughs> you know, then he goes to best glazed ham. Then he goes to barbecue brisket. Then he goes to cornbread. But check how he makes his cornbread, though. Flour and cornmeal. Well, I know. I'm going to get in trouble for that with some of your listeners. Flour? I, I'm going to tell you something. You know I'm making that. Sam, you, yeah, it's, it's, it's no way I don't make that. I, that right there, then he, then he follows it up with corn pudding. That's a good one. If that's not enough, gumbo. <laughs> then this was, this was through me. This was through me. Jamaican oxtail stew. Yeah, that's, that's, so that's a classic of New York. That is a classic. <laughs> 
So oh, I, can I tell you about that oxtail uh, stew? Please tell me because I'm going like, okay, who am I going to interview tomorrow? Five, five <laughs> to ten people I'm going to interview tomorrow on this show. <laughs> <laughs> You're just interviewing. I mean, listen, I was the national news editor of the New York Times. It's not telling jokes, but it does get you around the country. <laughs> so I, I, I've eaten all over this great land, but... I come back again and again to New York City and the diversity that it offers. There is a small family-owned Jamaican uh, restaurant business here in New York called Golden Crust. They make patties. I love the patties, and, I love them. You can buy them in stores. Golden Crust yes, patties. Yes, exa- exactly. Mm-hmm. But they have a couple uh, actual retail restaurants. Absolutely. And, and um, I've been going to one or two of them um, from for most of my uh, adult life mm-hmm. and I'm I'm a very polite person and I go in and I always and but there've been times when when the road has been difficult and I've been a little let's say uh not wealthy but broke <laughs> and I couldn't go for the full platter of uh rice and peas uh, um oxtail and cabbage uh, stew mm-hmm. and the cabbage right <laughs> so I would ask for rice and peas and then I would say could I have some oxtail gravy on that there you go brother and then these women would look at me like, what is this white guy asking? And then they would give it to me, and it was delicious. Anyway, I eventually became uh, you know, a reporter at the New York Times, and I was able to get through to the family and tell them this story mm-hmm. and ask them if they could share with me uh, their recipe for, for oxtail stew, which they did extremely reluctantly mm-hmm. um, and with, with very good reason. And I worked on it and worked on it and worked on it, and that... I'm very proud of that recipe. That's a damn good oxtail uh, stew. Okay, now I'm not through, everybody. I'm not through. Because he's, right. he's, hitting, he's, he's hitting more home runs with your boy here, Rashawn McDonald. <laughs> then he goes into crab cake, which I love. But this is what got me. Because I've always wanted to know how to make risotto. Oh, yeah. Risotto! Okay, did y'all just hear what I just said? Barbecue, fried chicken, cornbread, corn pudding, gumbo, Jamaican oxtail, crab cakes, risotto. <laughs> All in the same book here, all very simple, already very easy to read and believe that you can do it. That, that's what I love about your book. I, when, I, when I look at the recipe, I believe I can accomplish that. You can accomplish that. And that's important. And then, I'm not through, everybody. I'm not through. Then he goes to collard greens, ham hocks or turkey. Then he goes to pizza. Then he goes to some smothered pork chops. Oh, those are good. Then he goes to the dessert section where I fall in love with him for real. Fruit cobbler, ah, peach pie, banana foster. And then this, this one I knew he was the real deal. This one I, I'm going to tell everybody. This is when I knew Sam Sifton was the real deal. Baked banana pudding. Oh, that's delicious. <laughs> that's a really, you should make that tonight. Hey, Sam. If, if mm. uh, say, I'm gonna get your number. I'm gonna send you photos, and you'll know who you are talking to. This is what <laughs> I do, my brother. This is what I do. Okay, we are we are friends, and I'm going to promote you because not only because you're, you're you're good people, but you got a book that will relax a lot of people and invite them into the kitchen to do something they may have been reluctant to do. Cook. That's that's Baby. all we want. That's all we want. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. It just, it just, and then he has, to, then he has to broken up into chapters like big meat is chapter three, rice is chapter five. You know, so he kind of play, he has fun with it. You know, big pots. So these are these are the titles of the chapters. So they're fun chapters, easy to read chapters, great, beautiful photos. 
that he has layered throughout the book. It's not over. It's not. It's not crushed with photos, but there's enough photos to let you know this is how this may look. Because some books do that. They have so many photos, you go, okay, what am I looking? Oh, it's at? too much. Too much. Too much. Too much. So what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? So Sam, what, what we we started in the beginning talking about the book. You heard me interview you now. I'm, you know I'm a fan. You know I'm, I'm telling the world that you, this is a one-stop shopping book right here. Okay, this is this is it. What what do you want the the the, the person who buys this book to walk away from with this book? <laughs> uh, I want them to walk away with a sense of confidence that they're going to be able to make their lives better and make uh, the lives of those they serve better simply by cooking simple food filled with their love and my instruction, uh, and then they do that enough times, those recipes become theirs, and they become uh, something to pass on to others, and that's how, uh, you know, we keep eating fried chicken. That's how we keep <laughs> making peach pies, right. that we're passing down these recipes from, from friend to friend, from generation to generation. And here, in the presence of this book, I think we're doing so in, uh, in a way that intentionally makes lives better. That's what I want. And you're, you're delivering it. Again, uh, an exceptional book to read, a, a fun book to uh, cook out of, to bake out of. The recipes are amazingly easy. Every once in a while, you know, you might get an extended one, but overall, even the extended ones, you know, I, I enjoyed reading. I realized that I can pull that off because it's such a confidence. I would tell you this, Sam, this book is a very confident, confidence-building book. If Excellent. You, if, if you're walking into the kitchen for, the for you know, several times and wanted to do that, like barbecue pork ribs, you need to stop, man. You need to stop, dude. <laughs> you really need to stop, Sam. I mean, I'm just flipping through. I didn't. Even, I, I missed that one. Grilled baby back ribs, you know. Cheetah's brisket, which is, now, you might, now you messing with my country. Texas barbecue. Yeah. Barbecued leg of lamb. You know, steak and Guinness stew. Rice and beans. Rice pilaf. This is this book. This is the amazing book, Cuban-style black beans. Beautiful book, Sam. Thank you for coming on my show, my man. Thank you very much for having me. My next caller is calling from Australia. She recently was featured in the Herald Sun, the Sydney Morning Herald, Domain Property, the Property Investor Magazine, Smart Investor, the Australia Newspaper, Money Magazine, and many other publications. She's an official advocate for White Ribbon. In this role, she speaks to men nationally to champion change for the prevention of violence against women and children. Her overall mission is to bring financial literacy to every woman in Australia in the hope that they will step into their rightful birthright of abundance and economic empowerment. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations from Australia, Marianne May. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's afternoon where we're at, and, and so it's, it's uh, uh, of course. And I, oh, I'm fe- I'm feeling really good about the opportunities that we are having on the air right now. <laughs> and so, tell us about. Okay, first of all, I'm calling Australia. The, the big news in Australia had been the fires in Australia. Right. That yep. is, it has dominated yep. the news. To my understanding, that they're they're starting to calm down. Correct. Mm, correct. So. Um, we, uh, I'm in Melbourne, Australia, in the state of Victoria, and uh, for the first time ever, we were declared a state of uh, emergency that was pushed through parliament and government. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's dominated the news, and it's affected, as you've read, our wildlife, and not only people, um, but we had unexpected rains, which right. has helped the situation, mm-hmm. and things have definitely um, 
decreased in terms of the spread of fire. So it's great news. Well, you know, it's really uh, it's, it's sad that that can dominate the news because you don't want it to dominate the news because basically when, when nature gets uh, abused in that manner, we, uh, uh, mm. we, all, we find out how helpless we are, okay? Uh, there's no magic switch that you can drop and it, the, it stops. And so, but the, the helpless part about it is the, is the devastation to the wildlife, you know, that, that, that has been, Absolutely. The, that has been the, the I mean, uh, just, just hunger, uh, wild animals coming up because they're hungry, you know, they would normally mm-hmm. not come to, to civilians because they, they thirsty, they, they need some form of nourishment. And when they try to, uh, take care of them, they die anyway. So, yeah. When you when you yeah. read about this that's going on, and I'm reading about it because it's part of being an entrepreneur. Because it affects business, it affects tourism, it affects so many ways. It affects housing. It affects how people look at things because they redirect their funds someplace else, and it can almost halt a, an economic uh, growth process in a country and especially in a city. So where are you guys mm-hmm. at right now, as finance from from an economic standpoint in Melbourne in Australia? Well, Melbourne is a really robust, you know, we're a, we're a major city, just right. like Sydney, Australia. Um, but we, you know, we always have this rivalry going on with Sydney, saying <laughs> that we're better. Yes. Um, and Melbourne is forecasted to be the biggest and the strongest city over the course of the next decade. Our economy is robust and strong, but of course, these regional areas that we're now referring to, where we had in excess of 16 fires, um, they're, they're local regional economies, so they rely heavily on tourism spend to stay afloat. Um, but as far as the city of Melbourne, Australia goes, we're a robust, strong, dynamic economy. Cool. Now, your company, let's go personally start talking about you because I wanted to bring your brand <laughs> awareness. But I, I would, I've been remiss to speak to somebody from Australia and not get an update. You know, I know them the first time, but Rashawn, you know, you had her on the phone. You can say nothing like that. And so we've spoken <laughs> about that. Now let's talk about you because it affects a lot of the things that are going on, your passion, your, your mission statements. Now, the name of your company, the first name is your mother's name and your la- the last mm-hmm. is the la- the, also the last name of your father. Explain, give us your name of the company and then why did you do that? Yeah. So the company name is called Thalia Stanley Group, and essentially when I was um, in my early 20s and starting my business career, um, unexpectedly I lost both of my parents in my early 20s. And when I created this business model, I I wanted it to embody the spirit of both my mother and father because I intend to leave a very big legacy in terms of bringing financial literacy to all women and all girls across Australia. So when we were sitting down and deciding on a name and the marketing people had all the ideas, all great ideas, um, I just knew that Thalia Stanley was what um, I wanted to embody, and that was the qualities and the values and the characteristics of both my parents in doing this work. That means it's a passion. So I also Absolutely. read that you are your champion for sh- uh, shining the spotlight on the homelessness in Australia. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, we have, not like any other um, Western country around the world, uh, a homeless epidemic here in Australia. 
And in fact, women over the age of 55 are our fastest growing demographic of homelessness in this country. Um, last year, late last year, I was officially appo- appointed as an ambassador for the international organization St. Vincent de Paul Society. Um, and every year we have what's called a CEO sleepout, where the heads right. of major corporations sleep out on the street to raise money for homelessness. Um, and we raise substantial money, like in the tens of millions. And so um, for the last three years, I've done that CEO sleep out and raised money for homelessness. And then last year, the organization offered me a position as an official ambassador. Um, and some of the work that I do directly relates to trying to prevent women over 55 uh, becoming homeless. Now, when is that done? The, uh, has it just wrapped the third, uh, the, the winter sleep out for the CEOs? Has that wrapped? Has it what? Sorry? Have, have you completed it already or is it coming up? So, so what happens is, yes, yeah, so we do it every year. And in the middle of winter, they pick the absolute coldest, wettest day. And that's <laughs> the day that we sleep out. So that's coming up in, um, I think, June or July. So a little while to go. Okay. Um, okay. And we and we do it in the middle of winter to get appreciation of what it must be like for somebody to be displaced and homeless living on the street in, that, in those conditions. So I will tell you this, Miss um, Mays, uh, our relationship is not a one-off. And so I, I want to be a part of that as far as information so I can promote it on my social media and make it, it, make oh, it okay. more of a, a – make the United States aware of it. and It becomes an international event because it sounds pretty amazing. It sounds like something we should be doing over here. Uh, we do it in every state across Australia. So CEOs from all the major organizations come together for one night in every state across Australia. And we all do the sleep out individually in each state. I think this year it's going to be even more important for us because we have the devastation of the fires. Right. Um, which is, which has displaced so many people. Like so many people have obviously lost their homes. Um, so this year our efforts are going to be even stronger and the event's going to be even more important for us. Well, again, everything that you're doing is derived through your passion. What do? Because you say you lost your parents at an early age. What mm. did, did they create? Was the passion built through your relationship with your parents, or after they left your life, you found your passion? No, I think at a very early age, I always knew that I had a calling to be in service and to help others, right. and that was innate in me. As a child, I remember like taking personal items from my parents' home and giving them away to people who I thought were poorer than us. And my parents saying, like, you know, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, I don't know. I thought thought they needed the ham more than we did or I thought they needed the clothing more than we did. So it was always innate in me. Um, When my parents passed away in my early 20s, obviously I had to, you know, I was literally orphaned and I had to uh, economically be able to um, survive and thrive. And um, and that led me into a really tenacious work ethic of understanding that I'm on my own and I've really got to work to make it here. And then, of course, vehicle has become the vehicle for me to um, really have such great success in the work that I do and service serving and helping others. Um, and I think success breeds success. Like the more work that I do and the more women that I serve and the more people that I help, um, the more opportunities seem to appear to be able to do this work. Let me ask you this, because, you know, as I listen, I, one of the qualities I try to bring to my show is just, we're just in conversation. And in conversation, you tend to sit back and listen to your guests. And when I listen to you, you know, I, I, it's just, 
It just seems like you, you give so much of your time. Do you have time for yourself? Have anybody ever asked you that question? What do you, what do you give back <laughs> well, to you, Miss Mays? Yeah, I do. I actually live a really amazing life by design. I have organized my work in a way that um, I'm able to live a really great quality of life. Right. I have a 12-year-old son, Somerset, who's sitting beside me right now. And um, after we finish this interview, we're about to go onto a construction site and show a woman a property. Um, I do live in service, but I found a way to, you know, like people have this distinction, oh, this is my work, and then separate, this is my life. Um, I have that distinction too, but I found a way to make the two marry together. And when I spend time with my clients, it's just as pleasant as spending time with people in my personal life. But I do live a life by design and I believe in self-care and I try to model self-care for my son. I mean, obviously having parents who both passed away at 59 is incentive for me to really have a high level of self-care. Um, so yes, I do. I have, um, I have lots of great quality personal time, particularly with my son. Um, but I'm very dedicated to the work because there's just so much work to be done in Absolutely. the here in Australia um, of financial literacy for women. You know, because people, they say that about me. So it's not nothing, uh, you know, that I just throwing it back at you because I, I love what I do. I love that, you know, people say, Rashad, what time do you go to bed? I say, you usually go to bed by midnight. What time do you get up at 4 o'clock? <laughs> oh, God! What do you, what do you do? You're going to wear it? No, because I love what I do. And in fact, I, I tell people all the time, if I could figure out a way not to go to sleep, I'd be happy. That means I would just yeah. be constantly just doing things that I love to do. But unfortunately, yeah. I have stayed up at the most, I think, about 54 hours in, in a row. And I was vibrating. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was literally <laughs> just shaking. And uh, finally, my wife said, you, you stop. You need to stop. Okay. And I, and I say that because of the fact that if you're passionate about something, if you're driven by something, whether you might consider it work if you can, if it's a passion, it's considered something that you've been blessed to to deliver to somebody. It's something to make somebody's life better, and that seems like you said that's your calling. That's you've been called to do this. It's, it's almost like a minister yeah. being called to the altar to preach, but you're called to the altar to make change, to 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 create a more positive life because you have a positive life, and that's called helping someone to have a better life than your than you. I see you understood that at a very early age. I didn't understand that until I got older. That you know. That I could, I could share. That I could, that I could actually help you. For some reason, in your brain, it clicked that you know some. I don't really need this, but you probably need it more. So here, and your parents are looking like, mm. hey, 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 you gotta watch her. Mm. Gotta lock everything down. She gonna give us. She gonna give everything away. She gonna give away the refrigerator. It's very true. It's very true. I gave away my my mother's nightgown, our ham for the family, our clothing, our food, all the time. I would just get our stuff and say, actually, I would tell them that my parents told me to give it to them, which wasn't 100% accurate at the time. But, right. um, <laughs> I love it. We're talking with Marion Mays from Australia. We'll be right back with more money-making conversations. It's fantastic. She is, a, she is a friend that I discovered on LinkedIn, and she's a friend for life. She doesn't know. She doesn't know. She got Rashad in her life. I might show up on her doorstep. I might be at the CEO, sleep out. The winter sleep out in June. You know me. I'm crazy like that. We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Money Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com and follow Money Making Conversations on Facebook, Twitter,
Twitter, and Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time you stop thinking about your dreams and put some plans into action. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, and you're listening to Money Making Conversation. My guest is live on the phone. It's in the morning where she's at uh, in Australia, Melbourne, Australia. You know, I have to, I have to change my, I have to articulate it in a different way when you say Australia. Because Lord knows if I was in Houston, Texas, I say Australia. I just mess it all up. But Mary and May, she's on the phone. And one of the things that drew my, drew, created a relationship that I have with her, it was through LinkedIn, was that her passion, and especially her passion for the education of women through financial literacy. And one of the things that you that I read, I, I actually clipped out of one of her posts and just pasted over there, where she wrote about, in my direct experience, more than 90% of women I encounter in my work do not have a current will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just set the scene for you guys over there um, in terms of what is the the climate, the economic climate here in Australia. So, you know, we have the gender pay gap, that's real, in Australia for women. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have, um, we don't have financial literacy as part of our national academic framework in Australia. So what I mean by that is financial literacy is not taught in primary schools or high schools or college over here. Mm-hmm. So as a result of that, we have successful women, you know, who work and have professional careers um, and earn money, but they don't necessarily have financial literacy. Um, and so I run live events across the country in Melbourne and Sydney and up north. Right. Um, and every time I run an event, uh, one of the questions I ask is for all the women in the room to raise their hand to see if they've got a simple basic thing like a will in place. Um, and those stats are pretty accurate. I always have a room full of raised hands Mm -hmm. um, with all of these women who just don't even have a basic will in place. Now, because of that, what does that say about the education? Is it needed? Because I'm not going to speak in a, a, like, I know it all format, so I kind of speak. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, well, I think uh, this is how I came to do this work. So I used to work in financial services in a corporate capacity, in an executive level capacity. And I saw in our industry in Australia, in the financial services industry, we had all of these financial planners. Right. But we also, simultaneously, we also had statistics that said women over 55 are the fastest growing um, demographic of homelessness. And nobody, most women don't have financial literacy regardless of whether they have a college degree or not. Um, so, yes, it's needed. I mean, it should be in our primary schools. It should be in our secondary schools um, because it's as fundamental and as basic as home economics, like cooking. Right. Um, but we don't, we don't have it as a mandatory subject in our education system. And so five years ago, I left the corporate world on a wing and a prayer. And I said to all my colleagues, I'm going to start a company based on financial literacy. (laughs) And they all said, you're crazy mad. Um, There's no such thing as running a company for financial literacy. You're going to be committing commercial, um, you know, suicide. You shouldn't do this. And five years later, um, we've been successfully teaching women around Australia financial literacy. And these are professional, normal, everyday women like me. Right. Now, well, you know, you left this, something that made sense to me. I left IBM to go be a comedian. So, you know, it was a lot of people looked at me a little bit more skeptical, you know. At least you had a plan. At least, at least, at least the word financial was in your departure title. 
My title was comedian. <laughs> yeah, but but it's just as crazy if you think about it, because my colleagues are like, so you're going to bring adults into a room, right? Into a board into a boardroom, and then you're going to try and tell adults they need to learn financial literacy, and you want people to come voluntarily and pay for this. <laughs> and I was like, yep. Yep. That's the model. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to I'm let them know they're stupid, and I'm going to actually make them pay for it. <laughs> no, no, no. That's what you. That's what. That's what you did, and you, you're successful at it. Uh, you know, uh, you 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 almost have me about to ready to buy a ticket for Australia for the month of June. That's how good you are. You have a skill, Miss Mays, that that uh, that causes people to look at you and go, "Where? How much? When?" That's it. Which is really gifted, that's, and you should never walk away from that skill because it's a blessing. And the fact that you you're turning that skill into trying to educate women who have a gender pay gap issue, mm-hmm. which the, mm-hmm. hey, you can have wills. You should mm-hmm. invest in property. Let's talk about that mm-hmm. because yeah, and, and because it's not just in Australia. It's 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 in the United States. Okay, it's the same issue. Yeah, same issue. Yeah, it's an epidemic. Yeah. It's a social epidemic across the Western world. I think there's a few countries who have found solutions. But right now, as we speak, I'm outside a construction site and I'm meeting a client in about half an hour. And just to share her story, she's um, in her late 40s and she doesn't have enough money to retire. You know, we say here in Australia, if you want to live off... You know, 50000 Australian dollars a year, you need about a million dollars invested in super. Or if you want to live off 100000 a year, you need about $2 million invested in superannuation. Um, this woman doesn't have that. She's 49 years old. And so we're just about, after this interview, we're going to go onto a construction site and we're going to view a property that she will potentially invest in um, for the long term so that when she is 60 years of age, um, she will have more money than what she is presently on track to have just in her superannuation alone. Uh, in Australia, basically, our employers are mandated to pay 9% of your total salary into a super retirement fund. Right. But you can do the, you can do the math, and this didn't start until quite late for a lot of women. You can do the math. Nine percent of an average salary in Australia over their working life is not going to be sufficient money to retire. Absolutely. So, um, so I have started a campaign here in Australia. We're just launching it this year. It's my new project. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Property for Women, and the concept behind it is that every single woman, regardless of her social background, demographic status, religion, color, earning capacity, every single woman should own one piece of real estate, one property in her own name. Um, And that's a new project that we're launching this year, so I'm really excited. Um, And the spirit behind that is that to have one piece of real estate in your own name in Australia means that you can borrow money against it. Um, You'll always have a roof over your head. You can rent it out to earn an income, and it really is that preventative tool to poverty and homelessness and even financial abuse, which has become a big thing in recent years here in Australia. Absolutely. Now, okay, I hear your tone. I hear your passion. Do you have the naysayers out there, the, the male naysayers, you know, that call you a rebel rouser, that, uh, that try to... <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, so for five years, really, my whole industry... Um, because financial... She out there trying to smarten up them women, trying to smarten them up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not really conducive to, um, 
it's not really conducive for financial planners for me to be educating women on financial matters. So, yes, I mean, for five years, I've not really been embraced by my original industry. Um, but last year, I was very lucky. That kind of shifted. I um, was the lucky recipient of um, a national, a prestigious national award in my industry. And for the first time in five years, my work was really, and the legacy that I'm trying to create was really recognized. Um, but I think my clients experience it more because, um, really interesting, my clients tell me that when they first meet me and they have low financial literacy, they don't have much confidence. And then all of a sudden, you know, within six months, they're investing in property and they're saving money and they're buying shares. It's the people around them, the men at work, the people in their life saying, what are you doing? And they're saying, well, you know, I met this woman and I'm doing this. And, and the skepticism kicks in and, you know, you should be careful. And, right. you right. know, <laughs> you don't know what kind of investments you're putting her into. And, right. Um, so so absolute, absolutely. And I think we fear anything we don't really understand. But I also think in this country, there's a conditioning and a comfort. So I'll give you an example, maybe shocking, but it's true. In Australia, the gender pay gap is so real that in the financial services sector, we have the biggest gender pay gap across all uh, professions. So, for example, if I was still working in corporate, I would be doing the same job as a man, but I would earn 25% less than what he would. Sounds very familiar over here. Okay. Just know, oh, right. okay. just, so, just, just so know that think. you're not saying anything new in the United States, you know. My, my executive <laughs> producer, she's sitting over here next to me going, yes, that's, that's very, very true, very true. So okay. join, join the so club. We say, property, we say property is the great equalizer to that because Absolutely. property has no discrimination. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can get women investing in property, then we can close mm-hmm. the gender pay gap. Well, you know, the thing about it is that, I first of all, I'm enjoying this interview. And thank you again for calling me from Australia early in the morning. It was comfortable in the afternoon over here. Just to, just to let people know that the information you're giving to me is very relatable to the listeners in the United States or any other country. Because cause mm-hmm. women are, are regulated to, a, to secondary citizens in so many different ways. And it's always been the case. And so mm-hmm. through change is happening. It's not happening rapidly enough as as in racial situations as well. But, but one yeah. key thing I wanted to bring you on the phone to talk about, what are the key factors to getting unstuck, and in your eyes, getting unstuck and building wealth? Mm. Mm, absolutely. So I think the first thing is, I mean, the work that we always do with women, which is a little bit abstract because it doesn't happen in the financial services uh, um, industry here, is we look at their mindset and we look at their subconscious beliefs and we look at their story. And so we actually work with them on that level. What is the story that you hold about yourself, about your conditioning from your past, from the family you came from, from the hood that you grew up in? What is the story that you have that tells you what is possible for your life and what is not possible? We work at that level first. So it's really about behavioral science and mindset. So I think that's the first thing, to really challenge your beliefs and the story that you're telling yourself about what's possible. I think my life is an example of, you know, I just grew up in a, um, a normal suburb and my parents unfortunately passed early and I was on my own, but I'm self-made and I'm financially independent and I'm successful. And I always say to women, I didn't have many of the opportunities um, that they did. I didn't have the opportunity to finish uh, my university degree in law. Um, I didn't have the opportunity to have the financial support of my parents for those additional years so I could study. Um, 
but I was able to do it. And um, so I think the first step, number one, is you have to look at your belief system right. and your subconscious beliefs because that really is driving all of your behavior. 90, you know, 95% of all decisions we make are made in the subconscious brain without us even realizing the second thing I say is you have to have basic financial literacy. This whole idea, and I don't know if there's a trend there like in America, like there is here, but this whole idea of going to some guru who tells you, listen, I'm a guru and you don't really understand anything about money and you should just blindly trust me mm-hmm. and I'll invest your money and it'll be okay. Um, what I say is that's actually not okay. And so the second thing you need is financial literacy because as human beings, We never do or we fear something we don't understand. When we have more information and when we understand something, then we develop confidence to do it. And the critical thing, like if I could give anyone listening um, a message, the message would be that there is no amount, you know, we're all wired for hard work. I certainly was. I mean, I came from a family who had amazing work ethic. We're wired, we're wired and we're told as children in our education system and throughout our lives that we need to be good people and that we need to work really hard. And if we work really hard, then we can make money. Um, And what I would say to people is that is maybe true in part, but no amount of hard work and no amount of salary income is going to make you financially independent or wealthy. It's buying assets that go up in value over time um, is the only way to build wealth. And you can read any book. I mean, you've got some great wealth mentors over there Mm -hmm. um, who have published amazing books. The the only way for anybody to get ahead is to buy assets that go up in value over the course of their working life um, as a means to financial independence and to building wealth. So I would say they're the three critical points. And the first point in coming unstuck is really sitting down and getting real about the story that you're telling yourself about what's possible for your life. Awesome. Mary Mays, thank you again for taking the time. Um, I have a book coming out in 2021, in January. Uh, yep. One of the locations I want to come is to Melbourne. So uh, you will see me at, you may see me early. I may I might come to the, the CEO. There is out. an open invitation for you here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. And if I keep talking to you, you're going to get me to come I, too. I will get, I will provide the sleeping bag See? for you. I will bring the sleeping bag for you and the pillow for you. Oh and you can spend the night you can spend the night with some of Melbourne's greatest CEOs with the biggest hearts who okay. raise tens of millions of dollars. Okay. Um for the St. Vincent de Paul Society. So there's an open invitation for you. Okay, and I we're going to talk because I might come. Seriously, I might come. <laughs> uh, thank you for taking the time and tell your son hi and keep keep the world straight on that side of the that part of the world, okay? I'll do my best. Thank Thank you you. so much for having me. Oh, you're awesome, Mary Mays.